Did you do anything with that uh, stuff that was in your closet, by the way? The habanero stuff? My homosexuality. <laughs> <laughs> no? That's still, it's still in the closet. It's still in okay. the closet. Okay, yeah. cool, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Good thing we're not recording this, putting it out to the internet. <laughs> you ever get the feeling that everything in America is completely fucked up? You know that feeling that the whole country is like one inch away from saying, that's it, forget it. Let's see. Thanks, Mr. Uh, now look. Here's a house full of bees. You think the honey badger cares? It doesn't give a shit. Listen, let's get one thing straight. Price is right. Guns don't kill people. Steel Pulse? No. I, gone, gone. What? I was hoping you had made the connection. Yeah. Inner Circle. Inner Circle. Um, also, oh, yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> they have a, another song that's pretty well known. Man, I, I missed the low hanging fruit on that one. <laughs> wow. All right, we got the point there. Okay. <laughs> uh, I saw them live. Did you really? At Reggae on the River, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. They were like the headlining band. And, That's uh, funny. I saw Steel Pulse live at Reggae on the River. Oh, really? Yeah. Both bands being uh, to varying degrees, but entry-level reggae, Sure, I guess. But yeah. the whole time I was watching uh, Inner Circle, I was like, are they going to play the cops theme? <laughs> did they? <laughs> I don't think they did. <laughs> Yeah, so obviously you can see how I've made the connection uh, from Inner Circle to uh, the cop scene because we have a cop in the studio with us today. Sir, welcome. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Officer X. Officer X. (laughs) Not associated to the the X. No. Oh, no, no. no. Yeah, nothing to do with it. It's not Officer X. By the way, how how much longer are we going to refer to X, formerly known as Twitter? It's been going on. It's like every time. I don't, since. I don't think I've referred to it as X once. Really? <laughs> I still call it Twitter, don't you? I don't, I don't even know how to get on Twitter, so I'm probably the wrong uh, You guy. just referred to it as Twitter, so I think you're in the same boat as me. Like, yeah. no one, no one, I, I don't call, know, do you have to be a certain age? I call to, it all Friendster. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, whoever owns the Friendster.com uh, website, that web domain, is going to cash in one day soon. When that comes back, the nostalgia social uh, media, mm-hmm. that's going to be big. It'll be like some true hipster shit. Same with, uh, what was the other one? Jake, were you, on, Jake were you on Friendster? Nope. MySpace was my entrance. MySpace. Nice. That's what MySpace. I was thinking of. Yes. Tom. Tom from MySpace. Tom. Yeah. Everyone was you friends know, with Tom. Tom. Uh-uh. So MySpace, you had to have like your top 
uh, eight friends, six friends. I don't remember what it was. Okay. Tom was always in there. I wasn't on it. So no, I don't. Oh yeah. Oh, you missed out, dude. It was, I guess it was the glory days of social media. Yeah. I, I, Everyone yeah. was super nice to each other. Really? No arguing. A lot of thoughtful a lot dialogue. Of, like, just great local bands you could listen to. <laughs> <laughs> you had your playlist. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you could have a playlist, a playlist on MySpace. Well, I can't say I was too old for it because you're older than me. Yeah. So, well, you were in a band though. I had. I was, it was kind of like I've required like membership required to be on social media. Yeah, which I hated. Yeah. Um. Well. I, uh, yeah, like we said, we have a guest in the, in the studio today. We're very, uh, grateful that you came in to, yes, thank you. You were telling us before we started recording what it was like to kill a man. Could you go over that again? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Never done that. That's what cops do, right? Oh, really? (laughs) We were under the impression that cops, all cops were bastards and they just preyed upon minorities. Is that not a thing? Yeah. It depends on who you watch. Okay. Cause that's, that's the way the mainstream media likes to put it. So. It's pretty accurate, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. This, I mean, it sounds familiar. We get all of our perspectives from, uh, you know, democratically elected uh, governors, you know, like Lori Lightfoot and mm-hmm. <laughs> AOC. And, Why and, wouldn't you? Yeah. 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 And Twitter. And, and Twitter, Twitter X for, X. you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, you guys want to hear a, uh, a really, or actually see for those of you that are watching, um, a really good drunk Kamala. Oh yeah. So yeah. this clip is not, uh, it's not the most word salady of her mm-hmm. clips. So it's not going to have the same kind of pleasure, uh, as the other ones, but I want you to watch this and tell me that this person is stone cold sober. In this moment, our nation once again needs your leadership as you have done for generations to defend our most sacred ideals, to continue to organize, energize, and make your voices heard. And at this moment in history, I say, Listen to the slurring. Let us not throw up our hands (laughs) when it's time to roll up our sleeves. (laughs) Because... So easy. (laughs) We were born for a time. Oh, wow. <laughs> Starting to sound like grandmother. And we love our country. Yes, we, we do. believe in the principles upon which we were founded and guided by our faith. We are prepared to fight for all that we know is right and hold dear. And I know that when we fight, we win. God bless you and God bless the United States of America. Hammered. Oh my God. Hammered drunk. It's like an experiment that someone's, because she's trying to like tap in, like Obama was like really good at it. Yes. And and Newsom stole from the thumb points and the, you know what I mean? And they're trying to tap into. He could could flip into like preacher. Narrators of like our, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so this is like a hybrid, like a kind of a, uh, what's that? Dr. Moreau. Like what if we made this hybrid like, of a, if Martin Luther King was a chick and we could just kind of whacked out on Oxycontin and just goes up there and like, okay, you got to go give a speech right now. Don't, you don't really have to say anything, but you really got to be engaging. You got to like, 
uh, take on the affects and, and the uh, the mannerisms of these like classic leaders. That's what that reminds me of. And because she was way overconfident in her ability to pull it off, yeah. when they pitched that to her, she's like, yes, oh, I got this. I got this. I can do that Obama thing. I got right? this. I can hit the preacher switch. Nope, you can't. You're terrible at it. And the drunker you get, the worse. So stop using alcohol to try to compensate for your inability to speak in public. <laughs> you should give me some of whatever she's drinking. Yeah, seriously. Oh, shit. I might say anything. I think you're drinking it right now. <laughs> yeah. This is why we fed that I don't to you. Think- I'm pretty nervous about calling my ex-girlfriend, man. <laughs> a couple shots first. I don't think it, she drinks become- this. I, I think she's on some some pills or something. That chick is loopy. Every yeah. time she opens her mouth, whack job. I'm, uh, <clears throat> did you hear the, did you watch that clip I sent you of, uh, Vivek's prediction for no. the, uh, the upcoming presidential? Is it Vivek or Vivek? Vivek, I think. Jake. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Do you, it, you put, is that on Matt's <laughs> list of weird pronunciations? <laughs> That's your truth, brother. That's cool. <laughs> So we've been saying for, I've been saying for a long time that they're going to figure out a way to get uh, Kamala out of the way. Yes. So that Gavin Newsom could become president. Newsom and Big Mike. Yes. 2024. That's my prediction. prediction. That's my prediction. Well, Vivek is predicting something different. I thought it was kind of interesting and I thought I might uh, plug it in for our prediction. Okay, let's hear What he's saying is that it's not going to be a Democrat at all. Okay. But it'll still be the establishment putting their candidate in place. Right. ...wants to narrow this down to a two-horse race between Donald Trump and a puppet who they can control. And it has become increasingly clear that puppet is not a Democrat. It's not even Gavin Newsom. It's Nikki Haley. It's in our own party. Well, today, one more step in that plot unfolds. Chris Christie drops out. Next up, I'm going to make a prediction. You're actually going to see Ron DeSantis join Nikki Haley's ticket. He's going to be her VP. The whole game, it's hiding in plain sight. Whatever it takes, and this system will stop at nothing. And I mean nothing. To eliminate Donald Trump from contention. It's disgusting. But the same people who have said they're not going to actually take a principled stand against Trump's removal from the ballot. Haley and DeSantis are both in that category. Do the math, people. That's next up. Ron DeSantis is after Iowa. Everybody, including Chris Christie, apparently got a phone call from Ron DeSantis. Panicked was the word that Chris Christie used. This is the way the plot's going. Ron may not know this. Ron DeSantis may not know this, but that's what his donors are going to make him do. That's what's coming next. Ron DeSantis will become Nikki's VP, whether or not Ron knows it. It's not really his choice. He's not the one in charge of that decision. And then the plot continues. We have to open our eyes and not fall into their trap. Our America First agenda cannot end. Our movement cannot end with Donald Trump when they take him out from contention. That is interesting. Yes. I, I don't know if I buy it. That's a curveball. That is, a, <laughs> that is an extreme curveball. Well, what has to happen? What's they the just, logistics They just had a that? debate this last week, mm-hmm. right? Oh, my God. This is great. I flipped on AM radio, and they, it was like, uh, where they, they just mash all the news into like one minute. Uh-huh. And you could tell the guy delivering the news was just like, he had the tone of voice like this. This is so stupid. Like my job is bullshit. Because <laughs> like, yeah, we had an earthquake and blah blah blah, and then uh, we had a presidential debate where everyone accused each other of being liars, and then we got a <laughs> atmospheric river coming into the bay. <laughs> it's just, it's just like <laughs> that's awesome. 
But they, Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis, like it's full like clown world, like children. They were just yelling at each other, like calling each other liars over and over and over. Really? Nikki just keeps going back and forth. You know, she looks like what Biden looks like. When you look at his past videos. Exactly. That's kind of what his point is. Yeah. Nikki Haley is the, she's uh, what they call her McCain and high heels. She is the epitome of a neocon Mm -hmm. chicken hawk, like pay to play. Exactly. Establishment. What am I paid to say? What doesn't matter? Just whatever it is, give me the money. I will say it. What'd she do? She left office uh, worth a hundred grand. She's worth uh, something like $14 million. Something like that. Yeah. Well, she's a servant. I mean, uh, for, for the, for the public. Yes. Yeah. So that makes much sense. Much like officer X here. Yeah. <laughs> you got about $14 million, right? Well, <laughs> depends on how much you guys are willing to pay me, but right. I mean, if I just, can you bomb my neighbors? I'll give you a million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I saw some news this morning that might change your predictions though. Okay. Yeah. Let's see it. Hear it. It's a, a new bill that Democrats are wanting to uh, propose back East, but it's going to be a federal bill, right? <clears throat> so the bill is going to bring, uh, prohibit armed. Yes, I saw this. Militias. This is the one I sent you guys. Oh, I saw that. Okay, uh, yeah, the, saw the that. private paramilitary prevention act. Yes, safety, you know for our safety because you know January sixth. Right. right. You know this that it's one not stemming off of Antifa either. It's no, no of course not. No, no. no it's about no. yeah, it, not about the people actually doing violence in America. It's about the people who. I don't know. It takes responsibility. It's about the for multiple officers that were murdered on January 6th. Mm. And it's odd. Like it's coming out in an election year. It's pretty weird to me that it is. I'm going to wait. What are the, what yeah. are the chances? From well, now. did you also you see would think that January would- 6th that now they're going on? I think it's like up to the, the, potential list is it's over a thousand people. Oh yeah. Because uh, anyone that was inside the off limits area is now going to be outside of the Capitol yeah. that they're going after now. Yeah. Um, unless you were uh, up on a uh, platform telling people to go into the Capitol and storm the Capitol or you're okay. also off the hook. Well, okay. Hang on there. Alex Jones. Well, you're- that, that guy <laughs> did get a hundred hours of community service. <laughs> I mean, it's not like he took a Trump flag and uh, jammed it in the faces of the cops or tore down the barricades and ushered people through them into this area that's considered off limits. That's where the $500 fine came from. (laughs) Okay, I guess you got a point. So his prediction real quick, going back to that, what are the logistics that it would take to get this to come true? Basically, Haley... And DeSantis, if they are going to team up, like he said, Mm -hmm. would have to, they're going to end up beating Trump in the primary election, not the general election. I I don't, I don't see that happening. So let's see what happens. Do you remember when, uh, when Ron Paul ran in uh, 2008, Mm -hmm. he won the Iowa caucus. Really? Yes. I didn't know that. They didn't report it. Oh, why you didn't? Well, that's why. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They, uh, the way that the media worded it was like, um, they, they, the same way they were factual, but dishonest, right? Right. Like Michael Malice says, and, uh, let's just pay attention to what happens in this next, uh, on, I think on Tuesday is the caucus. Okay. So why what what is our knee jerk reaction that this wouldn't happen? So my, so, the, so I think I'm basing this on some erroneous thinking. Because at first I'm like, they just had a debate. They were at each other's throats, right? 
that doesn't matter. These people are obsessed with power, of gaining power, and if they have to align with it. And okay, those debates are a clown show anyway. It's a full dog and pony show. You know, just like the way that our political process is. If uh, what's the book? This Town by Mark Leibovich. He lays out like you guys watch these Republicans, Democrats go on CNN or Fox News or MSNBC and scream at each other, and then they go to the same cocktail party afterwards. I mean, right. they're all just it's 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 a full like like pay to play kind of power game. Yeah, just like Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis. Yes, yeah. it's a unit party. They care about being in power. They don't. They. I don't think these people have any principles. No, they don't have any beliefs. No, it's not like Raytheon cares if it's a Democrat, a D next to their name, or an right. R next to their yeah. name. They're yeah. going to get the same warmongering pedophile in in power, whether they right. like it or not. What? Damn is it! The- Never hit the right button. I am so sick of these warmongering pedophiles. <laughs> So, yeah, I guess we just pay attention. Let's see. If he's right, then they're going to try to pull the rug out from uh, from from Trump during the the primary. Dude, I still don't think. What's he up? Every With every indictment, everything they do, the dude goes up. He's up by like 60 points. The problem is that the media cannot help themselves with Trump. They love him so much. Right. He As is, we talked about, he, he became his own like industrial complex for the media. Yeah. So Huffington Post, remember I do check Huffington Post every morning mm -hmm. to see the average is four, the low is two, the high is seven. They had Mm -hmm. a six yesterday, Uh six of the top 10 headlines, six of them were about Trump. I'm like, what? It'll take, would you, would this website exist if that that guy just said like, you know what? I'm out of here. I'm I'm moving to the Bahamas and I'm totally checked out from It's going to take some serious self-discipline on their part to pull that off. Yeah. I don't, I'm not sure they're capable of it. Yeah. Yeah. So let's see. I think that seems like uh, on Liberty Tree, we're leaning towards Vivek's prediction not coming true. Yeah, I'm going to agree with that. All right. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Um, you brought up that uh, law that is trying to be passed. And I, I think, is that law and another law, an anti-gun law that basically the DOJ came up with the wording on it and put it out to the states, like just copy and paste this into your next uh, go around of legislation. Mm. Um, and that law that's basically making it illegal to probably train with your weapon with another person. Mm. I think it's a group of three. Okay. So almost like but the gang laws. That, a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> three well, people. But... Yeah. I will say this, though. At least the wording that I saw didn't say in public. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, okay. So what What would be... I mean, we're going to be saved by the fact that that law doesn't say Well, no, the, the way I saw it is the way I see all California gun laws. It's just like waves on the beach, a little bit of sand every exactly. time, a little bit of sand every time. It's like in public. And they're like, okay, then we get the law established and you kind of establish the barometer for what people accept to be kind of normalcy or whatever. And they're just inching down the field every time. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That's why I'm distrustful of any legislation that, that comes into this realm. Well, especially one, I mean, that is the most blatant, in the face of the second amendment law that I could think of, because it's yeah. actually addressing the part that all of the anti-gun people like glom onto. It says militia. It says that for well-regulated militia, it's like, okay, well we're talking about militias here. And they're like, well, no, no, that's now illegal. Like right. that's even more literally in the face of the second amendment than the 
other anti-gun laws. Well, they tried to go after the guns, so that's not really... Right. It's working in a sense for them, right? They're getting these laws passed, but let's try the other approach. Let's go after the militias, right? Yeah. Well, whatever that may be, whether it's for people that... It's it's going to fall under the same kind of parameters as like hate speech. Right. Like, well, we're going to make hate speech illegal. Who decides what that is? Mm -hmm. We'll let you know. Yeah, I know when we'll I see you know it. When you when you run, you yeah, after run afoul of the after line, after you've crossed that line, I've arbitrarily, arbitrarily like drawn. It's a thousand retroactively, like something you posted, you know, like a year ago or something like that. It's a thousand BB approach, no pun intended. You know, they're going after the militias, they're going after the guns themselves, they're going after the ammunition manufacturers, they're going after the gun manufacturers. It's a full on assault on firearms, right, and firearm ownership, and even training. Now, this law is like going against training. This is actually probably a good segue to ask you as a, yeah, this as is a police officer. You know, at what point does, do those laws make cops just say, you know what, fuck this, I'm not enforcing this? Because when it comes down to it, um, it's going to be, it, when, the, when the public is disarmed, which I think is the goal of the establishment, mm-hmm. right? They can't handle a armed populace because that's uh, if anyone is going to stand in their way, it's going to be the people and people are disarmed. Or as we say, when the government comes to take to disarm a public it's because they're just about to do something that you would shoot them for. Exactly. Yes. Well said. So when that time, when that time comes, who's going to be doing the disarming? It's not going to be FBI or the you know IRS, those, these armed IRS agents that are coming to your house to take away your guns. It's going to be most likely local police because that's the only group that has enough manpower to actually pull that off. And so what do, at what point do local cops realize that that's a, it's a, that's a line in the sand that they won't cross and they end up um, not, they end up resisting those orders, you know, basically nullifying those laws by just their, their non-action. Because like, like Matt saying, these waves on a beach, like it might, it's one little thing today and another little thing tomorrow. And we all get kind of complacent and, you know, like we should be allowed to own machine guns. In my opinion, we should be allowed to own F-15s in my opinion. There's no reason why the people should oh, be don't, don't out. Don't bring my son in here. Out, <laughs> make his day. The people should not be outgunned by their government because then they will never, they will always be uh, potentially subject to their government violently ruling over them. Right. Which so, was the original intention of the constitution. Wait, that's why you had a well-armed militia and well-armed public. You think governments can rule over their people in a way that kills a lot of their citizens? No, that would never happen. Well, I mean, if you could maybe point to an example of that in the past, then I could be convinced. Which is but, funny. Uh, I just listened to back-to-back uh, uh, podcasts about Ruby Ridge and then Waco. It's just, you know, it's seven in the morning. I'm just drinking coffee, just like getting angry. My wife comes out. She goes, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm going to reset here, make some pancakes for the family. And <laughs> But, Hold on. Before you answer your question, actually, let's go back and uh, get a little bit of your background because we spoke the other day and it was really fascinating to me where you kind of cut your teeth and where you came from. Um, you, and I'll let you talk in a second, <laughs> but you were in the military. Correct. Yeah. Originally, right? What yeah, branch? I was in the Air Force. I was a awesome. military police officer. Um, and uh, I 
did four years active duty. I actually signed up for six. Um, somehow they messed up the paperwork. And uh, when I hit my three, probably three years and two months or so the, in. The government messed up the paperwork? Yeah, odd, right? Weird. I, I, I called my wife or texted her after I signed a, my name on the six-year dotted line, and she was pissed. Right? Oh. <laughs> and uh, she's like, why would you do that? You didn't even talk to me about it. And I was like, well. How old were you? Well, they said that they said that I could go to better duty stations if I signed a six-year contract. Yeah, that didn't happen. I got sent to uh, one of the coldest places on earth. So, um, where'd you go? I went to Montana. Okay, that's like my uh, my grandfather was in World War II. He talked about the military. He'd say, if you sign up in the military to drive a truck, that probably means you'll be pushing a wheelbarrow. Yeah, like you but, don't actually get to do what they tell you. <laughs> you're gonna yeah, do. I mean, I love being in Montana. It was super nice. It fit everything that I enjoyed doing. Right, like I'm. A, right. I, I like fishing and hunting, and that's how I grew up. Um, but yeah, I got stationed back in California uh, after three years or just about two and a half years. And when I hit that three year mark, I got an email and it said, Hey, you're coming up on your separation. And I was like, what? No, I'm not. Yeah. You know, I, I signed a six year contract. Um, I wasn't upset. I was I'm thrilled. sure your wife wasn't. Yeah. She was thrilled. <laughs> right. So um, I elected it was a shock, right? Because now I'm getting out at my four year mark. I didn't really have plans. Uh, on what to do when that four year came, right? So, um, I always wanted to be a cop. That's why I went into um, into the military, and because uh, college was not not my thing. Yeah. Um, I wanted to be. Uh, I wanted to go into political science, but when you go to uh, school in California, where you're a conservative going into political science, doesn't really fit, right? I had quite a few political science classes in college. Yeah, as yeah. did San I. Diego. Yeah, there's one perspective mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> available to yeah. you. And you know, you don't realize that, or at least I didn't realize how one-sided that uh, education was until much later. You know what? I actually had an awareness, uh, being in Sonoma State, that, and I was at that time like very like left because I thought my main thing was like anti-war. I'm like, well, that puts me on the left. And um, I remember even being in college going like, this is skewed like pretty heavily like to the side that I thought I was on, but I was like, there's just not a lot of this other perspective, which is kind of concerning to me. I remember thinking that like being in school. Thinking that. I had no clue when but I was in school. It's not even let's, ha let's have a discussion about it. It's just you're right. wrong. I'm yeah. right. And this is, that's it. Yeah. There's no, yeah, there's no conversation about why. Yeah. It's just, nope, this is the way this is. If you want to pass this class, you're going to conform to what, it wasn't as uh, black and white for me in my experience. It was kind of painted in a way of like, we've had these discussions. These have been the arguments on the other side. And obviously, you know, through the hard work of, you know, doing the research and coming up with the right answer, we were ended up, we were right. And you just are led to believe that, yeah, like it's, we've done the arguments, we've heard both sides, and this is the, the outcome, right. which is, a very, I think all of school kind of gives you that impression whether whatever side you're looking at, like just being told something by an authority in, in a subject, you tend to believe them. You know, at least I, I did not anymore. It's the opposite, whatever that guy's saying, it's the other thing. <laughs> yeah. That's the biggest problem with, uh, with our school system, right? Especially when it comes to right. the colleges and, and the universities. When, when I came from a very small um, community, you know, I don't want to give too many details because people could, Right. Really pick me out of a group, right? Mm -hmm. um, 
even with but, the Kermit the Frog voice that we've done uh, to disguise yeah, your voice. Exactly. It's I crazy. appreciate that. So yeah. I'll sound like Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> um, so uh, I mean, Matt, we, that's a football player, plays oh, for okay. the uh, Kansas yeah. City Chiefs. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. They're playing tonight. Nice. Yeah. My <laughs> favorite. We're, we're watching seven degrees. Steph so. Curry's my favorite player. Oh, sure. <laughs> you probably really enjoy Steve Curry. You guys get along just fine. Um, but uh, so I would see a lot of kids go from where I grew up with very, like they had no political view, right? Mm-hmm. They weren't left. They weren't right. And then they would go to all these California universities and come back home extremely liberal, right? And it's like, Wow. I thought you went to school for this degree that has nothing to do with politics, but right. yet you come back with a totally skewed point of view because that's how you were indoctrinated. Yeah, yeah. pretty pretty common. So you uh, you spent four years in the military, and then uh, what you you were telling me the other day that you signed up for more uh, for the National Guard or not yeah, National so Guard, I, but uh, reserves or yeah. So I wanted to keep prior to getting my law enforcement job. I want to stay in the reserves. Um, so I elected to go into the reserves, sign another four year contract with the reserves. Um, and that was right around 2019. Um, so I did that whole gig for a couple of years. Just before COVID. Just before COVID, right? And uh, Oh, I got questions about COVID. <laughs> yeah. COVID from uh, being in the reserves at that point. There's a whole lot to uncover there, right? Um, it was good. I, I just did it to keep um, our insurance. We still wanted kids, right? And not paying a dime for our kids being born was a blessing, you know? Yeah. So, um, there's a lot of good. You're, you're welcome, by the way. Yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like the homeless person I just talked to last week. Oh, really? You I told you that he pays. salary, yeah. <laughs> uh, sir, you pretty sure you don't pay taxes. <laughs> yeah, so. Um, <laughs> the irony. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it happens all the time. I love it. Yeah. Um, did that, COVID rolled out, and then we, we kind of know what happened there, and we can go into details, but. Um, you got kicked out though for did, yeah. not getting vaccinated. Correct. I took a stance. Ah, God, awesome. I that took, was one of my questions. I'm like, ah, let's not ask that question. No, no, I'm I'm free to talk about that. Yeah. Um, I took a stance early on, right? Like from the time COVID rolled out, and we watched everything in China, right? Yeah. And then, oh, here it is in the United States. What are we going to do, right? And right. How how's my command going to deal with this? Can, can I ask you something? Mm-hmm. So. Uh, COVID rolls out, what, 2020? Is that what it was? And then the vaccine rolls out 2021, yeah. let's just say. Something like that. January. What were what were your thoughts? What what was behind your decision-making? Because, um, well, I'm not going to put my cards on the table, but like what like what was your thought process of deciding not to take the COVID shot? Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a Christian, right? And uh, I don't believe in, in putting something in my body that... I don't need. And, and when you look at the ingredients that are in these vaccines, right? (laughs) When you look at the ingredients that are in these vaccines, it goes against what I believe. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And you're taking aborted fetal cells and putting them into vaccines. Okay. Um, so it's more of a, of a religious kind of perspective on it. Okay. And and that really started to develop later as our, my marriage went on. Right. Cause I, I was not a Christian Christian growing up. Right. And, um, my, I married into a very Christian family. And uh, they changed my life, right? And right. Um, so, 
early on in my military career because that, that would be the argument, right? Well, you took all these vaccines, right? Um, well, yeah, I did. That was six months here. Yeah. You know, well, those, but then when you get into the military, they basically put you on a, you know, oh, right. like, like cattle. Yeah. They, yeah, they chalk you full of all sorts of stuff. Down yeah. Down your pants and hit you in the ass. With yeah. The, Paulie tells a story. Uh, oh, I think got, he told it got, on the podcast. Got a SEALs contract. Yeah. Like, you're in this cattle line and they, mm-hmm. they zap. I mean, you yeah. are like, they have like a gun to make it quicker. Yeah. You're like a shell of a man when they're done. Like you're just, you've gotten yep. so many shots, right? Yeah. You're Iron Man at that point, right? Yeah. Like nothing should hurt you. I guess that's their theory. Yeah. But yet I theory. still got sick all the time. So, um, <laughs> almost like it weakened my immune system. Now nah, that's mm. ridiculous. What a concept. Yeah. <laughs> well, if that was true, all the people I knew they have these boosters would keep getting COVID and keep getting sick, right. which hasn't. Uh, well, I was watching the view the other day and they seem to be turning. <laughs> what was Joe Behar say about this? <laughs> so, uh, you know, your re- sounds like you had a religious uh, reason for not taking the vaccine. And I'm, I'm sure you tried to file a religious exemption, which um, my, uh, I guess I can, say, well, I'm not gonna say it. Um, the, uh, religious exemptions that I've heard of, though, I've never actually heard expressed most of the time. It's like an excuse, but it sounds like you had a legitimate religious objection to doing this. That was, you know, seems pretty grounded in, um, a real thing for you. Yeah. And so, and as, and I'm sure you objected on those grounds. Is that correct? Right. So I, I submitted a religious exemption. Um, and I stated in my, my documents that this is the reason I don't want it. And this is purely on religious reasons. Um, and there was a lot of people too. There was a group in my unit alone, right? I, I was in a unit of probably 100 and probably between 100 to 150. This is something I want to ask you. So what was the general kind of <coughs> chit chat going on within, you know, the, your peers at that yeah. time? There was a lot of, I would say the mass majority of people didn't want to get it yeah, right? and they didn't believe in it. They didn't want to get it. And then, um, there, it started out as probably like 40 to 50 people in my unit strongly didn't want to get it. Right. Like that's what they believed. Um, and then it dwindled down to oh, really? huh? less and less as time went on. Right. As we'd have to have sit downs with our command. Um, I had to sit down with my commander and, uh, explain the reasons I wasn't getting it. And this was like along with my exemption, mm-hmm. right? And like, well, well, I gave you my exemption. Did you read it? Right. Because if you read it, you would understand why I don't want to get it. Right. Um, and it really didn't matter. It was like, a, why even have a sit down if you're not even going to, he was there with a narrative. Down. He was there to tell you to get, well, it. I was supposed to get deployed to, um, a country in the middle East that didn't, which is funny, right? He said that that country, requires vaccines and you have to have the vaccine. T- <laughs> and if vaccine we're going to bomb the shit out of that country, we are not going to do it with things that go <laughs> against their, their, gun. Foul of their vaccination. We do laws. not want to give them COVID for God's and sake. I, I told him, I said, well, why, why is the U S military concerned with this country's need right. or want yeah. of us to be vaccinated? Yeah. We're about that, to severely as, maim a bunch of children in that country. And we care about giving them as we always say, COVID? Like, we deserve better psyops than this. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, it was just like, oh, that's the way it is, you know. So you get it, or, or we're gonna kick you out. And uh, early on, they also th- they threatened a lot of people into like punishment that I never believed they could do, right? Right. Which they didn't end up doing because they can't, right? <clears throat> Whether it was, uh, hey, we're gonna, it's gonna be UCMJ punishment, right? 
or we're going to kick you out and you're going to lose your VA benefits. UCMJ? Yes. What'd you say? UCMJ. What is that? Uniform Code of Military Justice. It's it's like the laws of, of the military, right? Okay. So they have their certain laws in the military um, that you have to go by along with all the other laws. Yeah, right? like you have to speak in acronyms, basically. Yeah, also one exactly. of the rules. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that is a rule. <laughs> um, so um, that was, in my thought, in my belief, it was coercion trying to get people to get vaccinated to, mm-hmm. to keep us in the military. And I was not having it. Um, so the time came and at one point they said that I was not welcome back. Um, just stop coming to your drill weekends. Um, I said, okay. And then what did you have to do to like sit on the base and you're no, no, I was just at home. Oh, okay. Yeah. I just kicked you out. They just said, don't come back, but they didn't like fire you. They no, just said, don't they just said, don't come back. Huh. Never heard a word. And then I got a letter in the mail that said, you've been discharged. Wow. So was um, I was like, awesome. If this is your belief and this is your stance, your cowardice stance, right? right. Um, because we, we all took an oath. And, and part of that oath is, is to uphold the Constitution and the laws of the United States, right? And COVID, that's what it comes down to, right? I didn't break any laws, mm-hmm. right? I just mm-hmm. refused to get the vaccine. Um, but, and they're, they're going to deny my religious exemption, right? Which I'm entitled to per our constitution, the constitution, right? Yeah. Right. Um, and they, they didn't even, in my belief, they didn't even really look at it. They would get all these religious exemptions coming through and they just stamp them denied. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. um, and then send it back and that was it. So it was, it was an odd situation, but is that how it was left? Was that like a less than honorable discharge or? And that's, that's another thing they threatened to was like, Oh, well we can't promise that this is going to be an honorable discharge, right? It might be a other discharge or, or general is what, what it's called, right? A general discharge, which is uh, on, on well, it's better than a dishonorable discharge, right? right? But, right but it's not honorable. It's somewhere yeah, it's like exactly. purgatory it's, it's, discharge. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which didn't happen. It was an honorable, which is funny too, oh, nice. because I already had my honorable discharge from, active duty right yeah. so what yeah are you, you right. going to do you're going to take that away from me yeah and then all my benefits that come with it you know my my gi bill my my va benefits that i'm entitled to mm-hmm. thanks to that homeless guy, mm-hmm. yeah, thanks, guy. <laughs> thank you sir <laughs> so that was definitely an interesting part of my life and i'm glad that i took the stance that i took um yeah you can I, always say that you know you tell your kids when you grow up like when it came when I had to choose between potentially losing my job or losing some sort of monetary benefit or an honorable uh, recommendation from the military, I chose my principles over the threats that, that they made. And I mean, come what may, wherever the cards fall, like you can always right. go back and say that. I'm always interested in that question, uh, whether it's your views on COVID, you know, going up to, I'm, I'm not going to call it the vaccine because it's not a vaccine. It's a shot. Just like, they, co- they don't call it a flu vaccine. It's a flu shot. Not anymore. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. So we we changed the definition. Thanks, CDC. Um, I'm always interested in like meeting new people like this. The, the way that we met uh, Ryan, our Muay Thai coach at our, at our gym. It's like there's all these people like all over the place that you don't know, and they all came to the same kind of conclusion in their mind, and they kind of stuck to it, and they had to eat a lot of shit, right? 
And some of them lost their jobs. Some of them had to deal with just some bureaucratic nightmare of like possibly losing some benefits or a pension or a GI bill or getting their kids removed from school. And I'm always interested in like, not, it's not because we had like this one thing. It wasn't like strictly political, wasn't strictly religious or anything like that. It's like we all came to the same kind of uh, conclusion that we're like, we're not going to do this thing. And it's, I'm always interested in hearing like, why so like in the very very beginning of covid jake on our old street is like what what were we in like uh they just did the lockdowns maybe we were like a couple days in i think march i'm ballparking yeah march of 2020 yeah and jake was my neighbor and i happened to walk out to get something out of my truck and he walked out of his house and like everything was just like locked down and i remember he looked over at me he goes this is all bullshit, right? I go like, yeah. And it's like, that was the end of it. Like we both in our minds had come to the same conclusion. We hadn't talked about it. We hadn't done anything. And like it, that was basically our attitude through the, the entire thing. And so when we talk about like the vaccine, for example, is um, I remember my wife asked me like, you going to take the shot? I was like, no, I had no strong thoughts about it. She goes, why not? I was like, I just, I'm not worried about COVID. And I'm not worried about, you know, same reason I don't take the flu shot. Like, I'm just not worried about this thing. And uh, what became, when it became like this strong stance, it was the reaction to that of people like, like you start losing friends, you know, you start thinking like you might lose your job, whatever. Like, that's what became like suspect to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, forbid you have a choice. <laughs> yeah. My body, my choice. Kind of. Mm, if it's, <laughs> yeah, if we agree. <laughs> so uh, you left the military, became a cop, and just, did you immediately start violating people's rights or did it take time before you uh, became that guy? Yeah, um, I'm not that guy. Oh, okay. not that guy. Sh- no. I, there was another cop that <laughs> yeah. we're going to have on yeah. the show. That's right. bringing the sorry. bad cop on. Yeah. Right, sorry. <laughs> we're going to do a part one good cop, part two bad cop thing. Yeah. No, I, I, like I said, I grew up in a very, hey, this is like, this is our constitution, right? And I, I hold it dearly in my heart. And this is when I took that oath, right? It means more than just words. You took it when you were in the military. You took it again when you were Correct. a cop, right? What percentage of cops take that oath seriously? Well, I hope a hundred. I would hope so too. Um, but I know that's not a hundred. Yeah, I, I don't have an answer on that. I don't know. I, I'm... Do you uh, do you feel like the cops that you work with uh, in your uh, place of work um, are more aligned with you, or do you feel like a like you're the black a sheep. little bit yeah a little bit more of a kind of a constitutional rights guy than no I would say a large majority of the people I work with have the same stance that I as have it, <clears throat> as for us as uh, civilians. It's very easy to be, well, for one, to be intimidated by cops because every cop has the power to ruin your life on any given day if they want to. And when the whole COVID stuff came down and uh, we were told that every business had to shut down and you know, Matt and I are not in brick and mortar businesses. We have job sites. Mm-hmm. And it was very unlikely that any job site was going to get shut down. But for people that did have uh, 
businesses, like let's say Max, for example, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was a real kind of concern that people had that cops are going to, you know, the government is going to come shut down my business unless it's a cop. I don't give a shit. But if a, someone shows up with a gun and says, you have to shut down your business. And these are, you know, not normal times where you can stand out there with your holding your constitution up saying abracadabra, like you can't fuck with me because I have a constitution during COVID the constitution was kind of put on hold and we all had to just accept that because uh, there just, there was nowhere to go. You couldn't complain to anyone about that. Right. So from our perspective, um, and I've talked to a few cops since this, um, from our perspective, it was like, okay, the cops are the violent hand of the law that are going to enforce all of the um, anti-constitutional things that are just coming down on high from Gavin Newsom's office, essentially, right? And a few cops that I've spoken to have said, no, we were never going to do that. The only people that were ever going to go like door to door were like either the brand new cops or just the dorks that nobody liked. And all of us said, no, we're not doing it. Make him do it. And then he'd say, no, I'm not doing it. Make him do it. And eventually it went down down the totem pole, down the ladder to the guy that was like his first week on the job. And he was the one that was going to have to go around telling businesses to shut down. But from the perspective of a business owner, it doesn't matter if it's that guy or 99% of the cops are not going to do it. Like someone, if someone in the, in the department is going to do it, then it might as well be everybody because there's no one to, to stop that guy from actually enforcing the law. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and it, it, it's a good point because if, if they tell me to do something like that, right, just like any law, right, we have the spirit of the law and the letter of the law, right? Mm-hmm. It's a penal code, right? right? Whether we have the law as it's written and we are able to enforce that law as the law is written, right? But there's also the spirit of the law, right? Like, it, it, is me arresting this person better which then, is day, day one of a political science class. In right, color, by the way. right. So um, is, is me arresting this person a better situation than maybe, you know, letting them go, right? Because a uh, letter of the law says that, hey, you're speeding, right? Whether that's one to 10 miles over the speed limit, I'm going to give you a ticket every single time, right? Well, the, the spirit of the law says, no, maybe this, this person has this situation going on. They're trying to get their child to the hospital, Right. Like, right. okay, well, letter of the law says, nope, that person gets a ticket. Spirit of the law says, no, that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assist that person in, in maybe getting there safe, safely. Um, say, hey, slow it down. I understand you're in a hurry. Maybe I can help you get to the hospital, right? right. It, what kind of cop are you going to be, right? Are you going to be the guy that goes out and just hits everybody with everything you can because that's how the law is written? Or are you going to be the cop that says, there's these circumstances, right? Um, maybe I'm going to be a little lenient on on this situation, right? And and there has to be a fine balance because if there's not, then we're gonna we're basically using our authority in a way that it wasn't established, like the, in a way that we're not supposed to use it, right? Do you think COVID really tested that? Absolutely, um, and I can say from COVID because it's very easy to you know the the woman the guy driving his wife to the hospital speeding is a super easy situation, right? Right. Like he's obviously in the Absolutely. right. He's allowed to you right. know, get away with that in that situation. But, but, but with it, COVID, you keeping your business open is going to kill someone's grandmother. 
you know, they deliberately kind of obfuscated the the scene there to make it so that it, it cops were more seem like they were in the right for violating people's rights. I think it really tested not just cops but citizens in their like idea of what cops so, are so supposed to. So this is something I'm kind of interested in, and you don't have to answer this directly if you don't want to, but friends in law enforcement. And then we had talked about when the COVID thing began is uh, we by and large ignored all of it. We're like, whatever, you know, I'm still having barbecues at the house. I'm still going to work. I'm still just whatever. And then you start hearing threats or people actually calling the cops and nothing would happen. So I reached it out, you know, to the people I knew in law enforcement, including one who's a sheriff in the town we grew up in or the county. And, he, and they came out and made a statement. They're like, we're not enforcing this. You're like, that's, you know, I'm, we're not going to go around and break up Thanksgiving dinner. Like, that's not our job. Like, right. you, you know, you guys need to work this out. Now they did a workaround with what businesses they sent in the, what, the health department? Yes, that was they what it was in Sonoma County. Yeah. yeah, it was the yeah. health department that was So I'm kind of curious, did you guys have any kind of a, of a formal kind of protocol when it came down? Because the, the people I talked to in law enforcement said like, nah, dude, we're not, like we actually have orders to kind of stand down. We're not doing anything unless yeah. someone's life's in danger. Yeah. And I'm, during COVID, right, you look at, like, let's say a city law enforcement, <laughs> right, mm-hmm. where the chief is is not an elected official. They're appointed to that position through a hiring process, right? Compared to the sheriff who's an elected official through mm-hmm. the county. The sheriff and the chief of police, although they hold very similar jobs, right? They have different they handle things differently when situations like COVID come out, right? Because right. you could have a, an elected official who is doing for his constituents what they want him to, right? Because they don't if you go to a smaller county and you're seeing it with all these laws that are getting passed, they're putting out press release or they're putting out in the press that, hey, we're not going to go out and look for this, right? With the whole concealed carry stuff that's happening right now. You mm-hmm. see it happening. But it also happened during COVID, right? So when you have an appointed individual running the show, they're going to be calling shots so they don't lose their job, right? Um, they're going to be doing things that are questionable to the people who work underneath them because they don't want to lose that position. Whereas the the sheriff is going to probably act a little differently because he's elected. Um, Do you think it just comes down to to that, like to, to the ability for you to lose your job? I think a lot of it has to do with that, right? Because if, if I was told to well, go... Same thing as a, as a military, like there was like 40, 50 people saying like, we're not taking this bullshit experimental shot and then it dwindles, dwindles, dwindles. It's right. like they went through the basically what... Seems to me to be an interrogation process to break someone down psychologically or yeah. threaten them with something you know that they they couldn't stand to lose, like a uh, kind of thing. What's that? Uh, the circle and the communist, uh, where you have to confess to your sins. What uh, the struggle? The like struggle, struggle session. session. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and and so for me, right, I I I had a viewpoint, and I was early on, and I never was forced to go tell a business to to shut down or a group of. What was it? What was the number of people you couldn't be with? What was it? Uh, it depends on their religious affiliation. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if they were atheists, then you could have, I think, like 10 or right. 12. If they were Christians, I think it was no more than three. If uh, right. you were rioting for fentanyl Floyd and destroying businesses, right. it's like, I think it's like 3,000. <laughs> yeah. But so, uh, but, if you were having Christmas, I think it was like six. Yeah. yeah. But exactly. I was never um, directed to shut down any party. Um, 
of, of what do you do if you're in that situation? You have the strong beliefs that, that you have and your boss says, go do this. This is one of the th- things I want to ask. Like, yeah. have, have you ever been compelled to enforce something that you believed was morally unjust? Um, and what's your kind of window of yeah, what's, operation that you can kind of work within? Mm-hmm. I mean, in the military, it was different than law enforcement, right? Mm-hmm. In the military, I was, but not at like an extreme level, right? Where it was like, oh, this person crashed their car. They were most likely driving too fast, even though we couldn't see them. We just know they crashed and it was snowing, right? Well, the only reason that they could have crashed in the snow is because they were driving too fast, right? Mm-hmm. So I was, I was told that I need to give that person a speeding ticket. I never saw him speeding. Mm-hmm. And I totally said, no, I'm not doing it. Well, my command said, nope, you have to give them one. Really? So guess who had to go to court? I did, right? On behalf <laughs> of something that you thought and, was not right. <laughs> and so And you had to admit that you did not see them speeding? Yeah. And it was like did they well, get off? Yeah, absolutely. And I was happy that he got off. Right? Yeah. And, interesting. But the fact that did I Did you give the plaintiff a little thumbs up? Like, like I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm with it you made me do it. <laughs> well, I didn't want to be unprofessional. I don't want to be either. I, mean, I hate was, these guys. <laughs> right. That was just a small little, little deal, right? Yeah. It's not an extreme. Um, I have never had that situation arise mm-hmm. within law enforcement. Um, mm. and, and if I was to have that situation arise, why would I go out of my belief system to then enforce something I don't believe in? Well, so you wouldn't lose your job. I don't care. Do you think most cops feel that way? No, I don't. Yeah. I, because here's my thing, right? If this agency fires me for doing something out of, out of what I believe in or what I stand true, another agency is going to pick me up Hmm. that has, that holds my belief, right? Right. Where, where do I want to stand? Right. Where, where would I rather work? Probably for the agency that's going to hold my beliefs true. I like that. Yeah, you want to be able to look yourself in the mirror at the end of every day, right? Exactly. But you think, what percentage of cops do you think, I'm, you're totally speculating here, but um, have that same line in the sand? I, I, don't, I couldn't even give you a percentage. You know, there's a lot of people I talk to um, it's, that, that hold the same belief system that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's some that don't, right? Like, Do you think it's a majority? Or do you think you're in the minority? I want to say that I'm in the majority, but I think when, when it comes, when, when push comes to shove, I think I'm probably in the minority. Uh huh. All right, let's cut the shit. I know where you're getting at here. (laughs) So let's just get right to it is we have often, I really want to know where you're going with this actually. (laughs) I do too. Where are we going? So I'm listening to spin doctors earlier today. (laughs) The spins. (laughs) No, is the, the, Kind of, and correct me if I'm wrong. I don't want to put words in your mouth mm-hmm. or yours. And then, but the, the the kind of the bigger point that I think that we're kind of getting at is that we've often kind of pontificated upon this conversation that at some point, like we are watching this like heinous division in our country that's getting, you know, whether it's legitimate or not, it's just getting like worse and worse and worse and worse. And at some point, there will be, what did we talk about in the last episode? Some violence. kind of violence, like a violent conflict, which we don't want. No one wants. That's the last thing anyone wants. And at some point, we will, we will be relying on law enforcement and military to enforce one side or the other. And something that we've always said is like, it's 
so to go back a couple steps, it's kind of like the irony of, you know, I'm, I'm painting with a very wide brush here, but the, of the political side of the aisle that is marching for defund the police and all cops are bastards and everything are also the first ones to pick up the phone to call the cops. So like they have 10 people at their Thanksgiving dinner, like go down there and break them up or this gym is still open or this restaurant is still open. You know what I mean? And it's the irony is not lost on me. Cause yeah, I put myself, try to put myself in the mind of the law enforcement where they go like these, these people have been telling us to fuck off forever. And like now they want our help or whatever. So same thing. If we ever, come to the point where the country you know devolves into political violence is what we think and correct me if I'm wrong but law enforcement and military and people and like you know take it to gun laws like these are all like gun guys I think they're like more like like-minded like us and now we have this you know open war against domestic extremism and you know the right I guess we can call it um it's just something I've been thinking about like do you where like where do you land on that I guess yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to put you on the spot. No, right? absolutely. Like I was having this thought earlier when we go back to COVID, right? How many, how many cops do you think weren't within the guidelines of what the state was requiring when, when you had a party? What's the percentage on that? How many cops <clears throat> were outside of the guidelines of of what the state regulation was at the point at that time? Right. The, the percentage. You mean on their in their personal lives having yeah. parties at their houses? Right. Oh yeah, it's got to be hundred ninety nine percent. Yeah, right. so <laughs> there's one dork who was like, "We're not doing Christmas this year, honey." Right. <laughs> you know, and you know, I wasn't right. Like I was right. having parties, not like raging parties like we we would have in college. No, but like um, get-togethers with my family. I'm not going to ruin my family unit and my kids' lives right. mm-hmm. over a regulation I don't believe in. Right. Yeah. And I, I think most cops were doing the same thing. Right. But when it comes to gun laws, right? Um, although we're exempt from all the gun laws, well, the most, most of the gun laws, right? I can't own a Tawny gun, although I should be able to. Um, I agree. Um, yeah, I mean, we're it's, all in the same. Like, if, if, if all the cops lost their jobs tomorrow, they'd have to turn in half their guns, mm-hmm. right? Because they're not compliant with the state of California. Right. It's interesting because as you were formulating that question, uh, I was thinking about... Well, like Jordan Peterson talks about how you would have been a Nazi if you were alive in Germany. Mm-hmm. Not you specifically. I don't think he knows you. But you, the general you, the yeah. royal you, would have been a Nazi in Germany. Proverbial. In, in the, <laughs> the 30s. That's what I was looking for. Um, when the Nazis came about because very, very few people have the ability to resist the uh, Milgram experiment. Mm-hmm. Is that the one, right, where they turn the knob and right, electrocute right, right. people? Very few if, people... If it comes from a source of authority, you just... Have the ability to resist authority, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And so, uh, as you were asking that question, I was thinking, like, well, plenty of cops, when it's easy and it's the right answer and it's convenient, will say, yeah, I'm never going to enforce that stuff. But when the rubber meets the road, how many of them are actually going to draw a line in the sand. And I know that, and I don't, I don't know you that well, but just knowing your, uh, background, it sounds like you, to me, it sounds like you are probably more principled than your average cop. And I would love to know where cops stand. I, I would love it if all the cops thought like you, but I don't think that's true. 
And it's, it's an important question. It's not just something that Matt and I geek out thinking about all the time. It's a very important question. Who are you going to be up against when they do come to take our guns away, which I think is more likely than not at some point in the near future, who are you actually going to be up against and who can you actually rely on? And that's why a long time ago I threw out the idea of creating a, um, uh, uh, a pledge. A pledge. Yeah. I mean, there already is a pledge, so I don't know what the point is. But, but re called the Bill of Rights. Renewing your vows, or no? I mean, the the vow that they take to uphold the Constitution, you know, against enemies, foreign and domestic, that whole thing. Is that how much? How much strength does that hold? You know, and should there be some sort of like renewal of your vows, like people do when they're been married for 20 years. Like, I want to know, like, seriously, where do you guys stand? And I'm not talking to you specifically, but you, you and your, your coworkers and everyone else that's in law enforcement around the country, where do you stand when they, that the waves on the beach get to that point where they're taking away our guns, they're taking away our rights to our ability to defend ourselves and really violating our rights. And it would be, and I know there's no way to know this, but part of the reason to having you on here is it would, I would like to have some little, little bit of light shed on that, that question, you know, like, do, do we need to worry about 90% of the people that you work with 50% of the people? I know you probably can't answer that, but that's kind of where my question is coming from. And I think you, you would agree right. with me, right? I mean, that's what yeah. we worry about all the time. It's like, there is going to be this day when the, when the, the guy says, you know what, I need to feed my family. I'm, I'm going to go do what the, what the boss is telling me to do. Right. Um, I know where I'm going to be. Right. Right. And I my, can speak on that, but um, I hope when, when that happens or if that happens, right, that, a lot of people can reflect on their own lives, right? Let me take myself out of my own views mm-hmm. and put myself in, in a coworker's shoes, right? Many of the people I work with have family members who aren't cops, right? Who have copious amounts of, of firearms, right? Um, would they do that to their own family member? I doubt yeah. it. But those right. people are but, lucky to have a family member who's a cop. Right. But what I'm saying is that but that helps that, them like view the prism with which do I identify right. other because people. Because hopefully if, if that if that was to come to fruition, right? I think about my own family, right? I, I come from a very um gun toting family, right? Where we have firearms because that's our constitutional right. And we enjoy firearms and we treat them as we should. Are other police officers gonna pull my dad over, right? And Say, hey, do you have any, or see, let's say they see that he has firearms registered to him, right? Now they're going to find a way to search his vehicle because just solely because, hey, this guy has firearms registered to him. You can't have a concealed firearm in your vehicle, right? I don't see one right now. What are the odds that he has it in his vehicle? Now they're going to try to come up with some, some way to get into his vehicle, to search his vehicle, to see, oh, look, look what I found, right? That happens. Mm-hmm. Right. I watch every- videos like almost every day on cops either violating people's rights or not violating their rights. It's a kind of a just a fascination to me. Like, can that cop go into that guy's vehicle? Can can, he, can, can, he, find a w- search? can he find a way to search that vehicle? Right? Yeah. Um, there's been so many times where I've stopped somebody, and 
obviously through our systems that we have, it, it'll say, hey, this this individual has so many firearms registered to him, right? It's it's crossed my mind to be like, how many how many people in my shoes would say, oh wow, this guy has firearms registered to him? Totally normal civilian. Hold on a second. Let me interrupt you. How does that yeah, pop just up? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? So when you run so you, someone's you, license plate, yeah. does it pop up like they have firearms registered to them? It'd be like an inquiry to, to a certain individual, right? So when I run a, an individual out, um, whenever you buy a firearm. When you run an individual out, that means what? You take their ID and you yeah, run you through the system? run them through the system, right? Okay. See if they have any wants or warrants. Mm-hmm. Well, it's going to say, hey, they have um, how, so this this many amount of firearms registered to them. And that is all stemming from when you buy a firearm. And so it's that right. would be, there must be some sort of registry. a, there must be like a database <laughs> yeah, then. That, right? Which That's obviously a state thing. Which and it's, I, it's I, in the second amendment. I, 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 the, about yeah. the registry, it's a couple yeah. paragraphs down. Uh, a and well-regulated I, militia with a registry. Yeah. So, and I mean, ten-day waiting period. It, it's definitely <laughs> being necessary to. The and that brings of, up a whole other discussion, right? Is it beneficial for a police officer to know that this person is possibly armed? So, right? the, 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 not but, the yeah, but you guys are doing that for your own safety, correct? Okay. But on on the the flip side of that, right? Like, why do I need to know whether or not Joe Blow has? A firearm. Let's just assume because everyone's he, armed. We'll start has, there, and so that, that, that's we'll, where I'm going. With armed this, right? society because, is a polite society. Because why do I need to know that this person who's never, like, never been arrested has a completely clean rap sheet, right? Not even a speeding ticket. Mm-hmm. Why, why do I need to know that that person has a firearm, or why, why am I entitled to know that? Mm-hmm. Right. That there's no reason for me to. Right. Because you're protected. There should not. That should not even come up yes at, at times it's helpful right but when i'm pulling over a felon i'm not going to get that same hit because he shouldn't have any farms registered to him. right oh he's a felon that which means uh let's see if he's a felon that means he can't have a firearm that means he does no firearms armed, he right. has no arms because he's a felon and he's been uh, plus i'm know. in a gun-free zone so <laughs> it's and, just not something i have to worry about and so i mean i, I pulled a gun off of a, off a felon last year mm-hmm. who wanted to fight me and he had it on his, on his hip, right? Concealed. And I'm like, why are you fighting me, dude? Wow. Well, come to find out it's because he had a loaded handgun yeah. on his hip, you know? So, but he's a felon. I'm not going to get that hit, you know? Um, but why, yeah. Why do I need to know whether I, yeah, I well, a law-abiding citizen, that's all you're going to find out is that a law-abiding citizen it has a an ar- a firearm and it's possible that they could have it on them. But a criminal who has no right to own, you know, at least uh, according to the state of California, has no right to own a firearm, that person is much more likely to be a threat to you. Right. God, what a stupid system we've come up with. So, yeah, it's kind of interesting like that whole idea, right? Um, but most, most of the felons that we're pulling off the street that are carrying guns that are loaded have no right to be mm-hmm. having that gun because the, the, they're, not, they're, they're not holding it for their own protection, right? That's why we ha- we're having these shootings, right? The, they're, the, they're the ones that want to go out and find a victim, right? We should make that illegal though, and then yeah. <laughs> and they wouldn't do it anymore. Exactly. And we had this whole discussion. If only you were in charge. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. 
<laughs> Wake up in the middle of the night. Make a log. I got it. it. <laughs> Make a log against it. Honey, write this down. <laughs> and I would feel as a police officer a lot more comfortable knowing or having in my head, which I do, right? Like I, I'm under the impression that everybody's armed. Right. Yeah. Right. Because you'll get complacent if you don't think that. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and this goes back to my discussion with you about when I was in college and I was in that uh, political science class. And it was, it was funny because my dad and I had this conversation before I left for college and it was, he said, if everybody in America was armed, we'd be in a much safer society. We'd live in a much safer society. Completely agree. And I don't, it's weird how this came about. Right. And my professor said that, um, we need to get rid of guns. And I, I, I rose my hand. I said, no, I think we'd be a much safer society if everybody in America was, was carrying a firearm. Yeah. And then I got completely attacked by every, every that couldn't I, I have been sitting, a very popular I was sitting towards the back of the room and all these eyes just started to turn and yeah. look at me like I was insane. Right. You know, and uh, if everybody was armed, knew how to use that firearm, was trained how to use that firearm. Yep. Right. Rather than, than using all this money that we have, or I guess we don't have it cause we're in debt, but Instead of signing all these only thirty four trillion dollars, that's not. <laughs> instead of signing all these bills and wasting all our money, how about we we allow people to learn how to use firearms correctly? Yeah, right. Used to be taught in PE class yeah. back in the day. Depending yeah. on what school you went to. I remember I went to I had to take a road trip out to Idaho to pick up our trailer after my wife's dad passed away, and I had to get it. I couldn't leave the state until I got it registered, which. By the way, if you need to get anything done at the DMV, drive out to Idaho. Just, <laughs> it's just it's a, it's about as big as this studio, and there's just one person working there. And she goes, "I got you handled." <laughs> it takes like twenty minutes. It's it's, it's, it's worth beautiful. renting an apartment <laughs> that you don't live in in yes, Idaho. Yeah, it's just beautiful. <laughs> get some mail sent there. That's right. Is there a DMV up in Ferndale? No, uh, it's in no Garberville. You're in Southern Humboldt. Oh, there's one in Eureka. Yeah, that's where I got my driver's license. But you go to the one in Garberville. It's probably in it's, an it's outright, a, actual, one in Garberville. There's a trailer. <laughs> yeah. It's an actual trailer with steps built up to it. I know. And again, one person really? working there, you're in and out. I've wow. I've never been to the DMV here. Really? And I will never. Oh, you because, should go. Oh, yeah, it's nice. But yeah, like, it's nice. It's this time of year too. Uh, if you want to do like date night. Yeah. yeah. I'll go to the DMV back home and it's in and out. And people that I know that have family up there, when they go to visit, yeah. they make it a point to go to the DMV while they're there because the DMV down there. Yeah, really. yeah. <laughs> I go to my parents. I stop at the DMV in Garberville. Like that's, I didn't mm-hmm. get this done here. But the point is, uh, they, when I got this trailer registered in Idaho, I went here, I just had like, um, it was kind of a mess because, uh, you know, my wife's dad passed away. And like, I got all this paperwork. I just need to get this transferred over. I need like a temporary registration. I just need to get this back to California or whatever. And she goes, I'll get you taken care of. Just sit down right there. Like, it was the best DMV experience, experience I've ever had. But Treated sat- you like a human being? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were just polite, amazing guys and everything. But I was sitting in the chair there and the entire line, I think like nine out of ten people, were open carry. I was like, and being from California, I was like, oh, wow, look at that. That's crazy. That's not something you see every day. And they started thinking, like, while I'm sitting there waiting, you know, I get on my phone, I'm all, gun violence, Idaho. Oh, there's almost none. Yeah. <laughs> it's- when, when I lived in Montana, same situation, right? Um, we didn't have the same 
rules as being a law enforcement officer coming from the military, right? Yeah. As, as a local law enforcement officer had, right? So when you left your house in, in Montana and you had your gun, you put it in your glove compartment or whatever, your, your vehicle was an extension of your house, mm-hmm. right? So if you had a gun concealed in your car, it was no different than being in your house. Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting. Great, right? Yeah. It should be. Yeah. How, so not to get too far out in the weeds with the gun stuff, but how, let's do it. <laughs> so how, how up to date do you guys feel compelled to stay with the California gun laws, which change every two weeks? We have gun, like, um, we have a unit that sends out updates on the gun laws, especially mm-hmm. with all the new ones, because it's so confusing. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. All these new laws are so confusing, even to law enforcement. Officers. We're way into guns. Even, we can't, we can't keep track exactly. of them either. That's my In point. fact, yeah. I even one day I called, uh, my cousin knew Mark Essek, the, the Sonoma County Sheriff previous. And so he gave me his number. And when I was getting my concealed carry permit, I called him up to ask him some questions about it. And while I was talking to him, I was like, so can I put, because the, the law Technically, a sheriff could allow you to put a AR-15 on your concealed carry. And, you know, how you would conceal that in your baggy pants, I don't know. Get rid of Jankos. But the... Uh, but it would be legal for him to, to do that. And he told me, he's like, I just, you know, I'm already getting so much shit for all the CCW stuff that I'm allowing that I just couldn't, uh, I just wouldn't want to deal with that, that headache. But I started asking him like, well, is it legal for me to do this with my AR-15? Is it legal for me to carry it this way? Or does the ammo? And he goes, honestly, I got to stop you. Like, I don't know. I'd have to defer you to my firearms expert on the force. The, the sheriff, the head guy, the laws are so complex that he didn't know them off top of his head, that it was just, it was something that he couldn't answer. And so to Matt's question, like when you pull someone over, like, do you guys have to, and this is not uncommon, by the way, do you have to Google the laws? I've been watching all these videos lately of cops pulling people over and they're, they're constantly Googling the fucking laws. To really? know to There's know where their laws, the, the where the victims' law uh, rights stop and the law starts and like. See, it's kind of interesting because uh, the friends I've had that I have in law enforcement, I've asked them about that. Like, how how close do you guys follow the gun laws, right? Because I started out getting into guns. I'm like, I'm staying fully on board, <clears throat> and I still am, of course. At least you were until you lost all your guns in that boating accident. So how like. Because you have something like the the thirty round mag rule, right? That's not. It, 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 there's a stay on it. You're good. Yeah, it's a, but but it like change is like depending on. Are you sure about that? It changes. It goes back and forth, and then the the, the friends I have in law enforcement said this. Like, look, dude, if I pull you over and I see an AR in your car, right, with a trigger lock, unloaded, mag separate. And you tell me you're on your way to the range to go shooting, or you're going, you know, up to your private property to go shooting, or you're going hunting, whatever it is. I'm like, it's just like pulling someone over with anything. If if like if it appears to me that you look super sketchy and you're like not on the up and up, I'm gonna start asking questions. I might run some serial numbers, for example. If you have a loaded AR bouncing around your trunk, yeah, I'm running that serial number. I'm going to check into that 30 round mag. You know what I mean? I'm going to look at what kind of ammo you have in there. What's the takeaway though from that? Well, I mean, if you look at the law, right, you can carry an unloaded firearm in your vehicle Mm -hmm. as long as your ammo is separate, right? In a totally separate spot where you can't just grab them and put them together. Stupid, right? right? I agree. It's stupid. But 
Um, and what does that mean? I mean, separate spot, like front seat, back seat, right? And, and or does it have to be the trunk? Exactly. Or does so, it have to be in a locked box? When I give advice, right, to people, I'm like, well, if you want to be within accordance with the law, have them separated, preferably in a lock box, right? Then when, when I stop you, I'm like, okay, there's no issue here, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But the problem is that when I pull over the felon, he has the loaded firearm in his center console, right? So our law-abiding citizens mm-hmm. can't do anything with their firearms or use them in self-defense because to get your firearm out of wherever it is and then grab your magazine and then insert it and yeah, make it ready. Five minutes later. Yeah, you're, you're, it's useless and that's right. what they want, right? But the people who aren't following the laws, which is always going to happen. They're shooting cops in the face who exactly. walk up to the window, mm-hmm. the tinted window, and ask them to roll it down. And now causing a huge issue for for cops who see a firearm in the back of a vehicle. Because now I see it, and I'm uh, in my head, being a cop from California, that's not normal. You're, you're in Montana, that's normal. Mm-hmm. A cop doesn't have the same reaction to that. Yeah, your, your spidey sense uh, goes off different reasons, right. and depending on, on you go where you're at. Look in, in Texas, right? You can have a loaded firearm in your vehicle. Okay. And when I see that as a police officer, my reaction is, is totally normal because that's a normal encounter with somebody. Right. In California, it's not a normal encounter. Right. That's, that was also normal, like for, because we grew up in a very, very small town, right? Uh, 1,400 people. Mm-hmm. And I have you beat. What do you got? Like, it's a smaller town. 2,600 <laughs> people? Oh, we're, we're only 1,400. Oh. But yeah, <laughs> sorry, my mouth's off. Maybe we can cut that out. Or is it's good to edit that to make me look smart? We do, we do have sixteen thousand cows, so like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and I think a, a cow is well, one we, third of a person on the uh, voter rolls. So. But but sorry, people, as a county, we have far less people. Yeah, because I think there's like nine thousand people in the county. Oh, jeez. Yeah, but and it's huge. It's a huge county, and um, there's a lot of cows. Yeah, I grew up a ranching family, right? So same here. Yeah, and you guys we, dairy up there? No, it's all beef. Oh, beef. Okay, yeah, we're yeah. dairy, but it's gonna get cut. Want arm wrestle? <laughs> <laughs> it's getting heated in here. Yeah. No, they, um, but it was a regular occurrence that because uh, people, you know, the most abhorrent thing that we can all think of is like these school shootings, and then people go like, "It's the guns, it's the guns." I'm like, "It's not the guns, it's the people." It's the parents. Where were the parents? What what SSRIs was this kid on? You know what I mean? And it was a regular occurrence. I would tell people, I'm like, I grew up in a place where the kids would hunt before school mm-hmm. and they'd show up. It was the old school, the gun rack. Yep. Yeah, with the gun in the rack. Yeah, with a gun, in, a loaded gun in the rack in the parking lot. Which, you know how much gun violence was in my school? None. Yeah. Like none whatsoever. And I also grew up in the way this growing, you know, all, all my whole family were hunters and fishermen is you grew up that you had the old school gun chest in the living room, the shotgun and the rifle and a, and a pistol, you know what I mean? And all the, all these things usually unlocked. And then your friends have a party. Everyone's there whole, you know, whole school's there, which is a <laughs> hundred people. And Everyone knew if like some jackass would have went in there and pulled open that door and grabbed the rifle, everyone in that room would have been like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Yep. Like you don't like we right. learned gun safety and the respect for guns and the and the, the amazing power that what you're yeah. holding is 
at very young age. Exactly. And everyone held yeah. everyone accountable. Yeah. But you but, know what I was, I was just, oh, sorry, go so ahead. We had the same, like, same situation, right? Where right. my brother in Woodshop built this really nice wood gun case. Yeah. And front windows are glass. All the guns are just laid out there. Yeah. I'd have friends over. My parents' house is still like and that. And it had, had some little like skeleton key to yeah, lock not it. Even, it's always you just stick right? a ballpoint so, pen in there. Right. Like, let's go no, the, the lock let's was cunning. The lock was for earthquakes. It's, it's like, weird. <laughs> it's weird. None of none of the 17, 18 year old kids that would come over would be going in and opening the case. Or even looking at it. Yeah. It was just kind of like it the, was a big deal. It's like, yeah. well, this is what I have in my house. Like, yeah, right. Who gives a shit? It didn't fascinate anyone because you saw it was almost like a noise, like it was oh. a chore, like oh, clean it or load it or carry it or whatever. It wasn't like this amazing thing where it, it would be. It wasn't taboo. Which makes me think, like, so if you're in L.A., let's say, uh, like in the city or somewhere in Southern California, we're first off, we're hunt, sorry. Yes, apologies. <laughs> Hunting is not a thing. Gun ownership is not really a, a thing that people talk about. Um, and you're a cop down there who grew up in that environment. You're not really used to a gun cabinet being in someone's house when you go there for a party. What makes you more nervous when you pull over a pickup truck with a rifle in the back window on the gun rack, which you never see anymore. But we, when we were kids, it was at, in the parking lot at school all yeah. the time. That car, you, you're going up to that pickup truck or the like beat up Nissan Sentra with tinted windows all the way around. I got to think that even if you are a, a cop who grew up in that environment where you were not exposed to guns as a, as a kid, hunting was not a thing that you're seeing that truck and that exposed, let's call it like a, a open carry truck essentially. Cause you see the gun right. on the, the back window there versus the concealed carry blacked out windows car. Like, even if you're a cop that that grew up in that environment, you're more comfortable going up to that pickup truck. Absolutely. Right? I know I'm going to go have a good which conversation is, with that guy. Exactly. I'm going to probably learn something about that guy that I didn't even know. Which where, is why... Where are you hunting at? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting to me that concealed carry is more socially acceptable than open carry. And because I know a lot of people's gut reaction to a gun on someone's hip is, oh my God, there's a gun there. Like we're all in danger. That gun's just going to fly out of the holster and shoot someone on its own. A la Alec Baldwin. They do that. Especially on movie sets. Um, versus concealed carry, which I just don't want to know that it's there. It's kind of like, well, not knowing it's there is, if you think about it, like a little bit more risky than knowing it's there. That, that's interesting because I had a uh, discussion with someone who I love very much, but a family member who is just as anti-gun as it gets. They live in Idaho, and they had recently changed some of the Idaho gun laws or whatever, and I was talking to her about it, and I'm always, I know she's loaded for bear. I'm like, okay, like... Not literally. <laughs> slip, slip, <laughs> duck. You know what I mean? And they, uh, she had said if something about the open carry laws, like there was some kind of uh, nuance within the laws with uh, open carry, concealed carry. And <laughs> but it was such a, uh, it was such a valuable window into the psyche of someone who just has a, like an emotional reaction against guns. Because she said, "Well, now like you can take guns into like this kind of event." I'm like, "Oh." Right on. She goes, you don't see that as a problem. I was like, no, I, I truly believe in armed society as a polite society. And I believe in 
spontaneous order. Like we, none of us want to hurt each other, right? We want to live with civility, with respect for the human beings around us. And she goes, well, what's to stop someone like, you know, they go to a festival and the singer plays a song they don't like and they just take out a gun (laughs) and blow them away. I'm like, common decency. (laughs) What is your view of humanity that like that would happen? Right. It's a window into the way that those people think <laughs> it's very that the odd. world is so awful. And so, you know what? I used to be in this camp. I remember the first time I heard Ron Paul talk about how we don't need um, government uh, safety nets because that's it's wrong to steal people's money and then give it to, to people that in some inefficient way that the government thinks is right to, to help people. In a decent society, people will take care of the lower class people who are um, indigent or just down on their luck. And he's, it's been proven right. Like America is the most generous society on earth. We do more donating and, and goodwill than any other country in the world. But when I first heard it, I remember thinking like, that's ridiculous. We're just going to rely on the goodwill of other people to help people in need in our society. That's never going to work. And I was wrong. It was a stupid thing for me to think. I never really thought it through. But I, I think that now that that is, that is correct. Like our knee-jerk response of the average person in, in almost every Western society in the world is not to pull out a gun and shoot someone because you don't like the song they're singing, <laughs> right? That is the most ridiculous idea I've ever heard. Like we're all actually pretty good when it, when it comes down to it. Yeah. You know, I think that Ron Paul, I wish, you know, I wish he could, he's too old, but I wish, you know, we could give him another, another chance. Cause right. that, that shit that he was preaching back then was so spot on. I mean, it really now looking back, like I was too dumb to, to accept it back then, but it was so, so spot on. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't wrap my head around being, being a law enforcement officer and watching people hand money to homeless people. Right. Yeah. In my perspective, right? Like, where do you think that money's going? I know exactly where it's going because I'll arrest that guy for having an ounce of dope on him later. Mm-hmm. So right? this is something that we've talked about on the podcast a lot before, and I'd love to hear kind of your perspective from law enforcement. Is we moved here what three and a half years ago, but our old neighborhood was right at where all the bike paths crossed, and it was like we had to move out. I wanted to stay on the street forever. I loved it. I loved my neighbors, dead end street, but just happened to be where all the bike paths cross. And we just dealt with just a horrific, uh, homeless drugs, you know, loose pit bulls, stolen bikes, the whole deal, homeless encampments setting up on the street. And my breaking point was, I remember one night my wife said, um, I'm going to, I'm going to run down to the store and get milk for coffee. And I looked outside and I was like, it's getting a little dark. I don't think you should go. Like, let me go. And then, then it hits you like, how much did I pay in taxes this year? And my wife can't walk to the store to get to buy milk. Yeah. And so we bailed. But point being, when, we t- when you're talking about the homeless problem, is I, my neighbor and I had a pact that we were going to have a zero tolerance policy. Right. And we, just we were kind of like on the front of the street and anyone we saw that we know didn't live there like we'd run out and confront them and things got heated a few times and i remember thinking that eventually 
there's going to be like a violent altercation. And I don't know, I'm going to get bit. This guy's got hepatitis or whatever it is. We would call the cops all the time. The cops were amazing, but they were very honest with us and direct, which I appreciated. And um, I wish I remembered. We had the same officer several times who was amazing. I can't remember his name. But he showed up and said, like, look, our hands are tied. We can't do anything. He's like, you can vote for different people or you can move. Those are your two options. He's like, other than that, like, I'll show up here every time, but I'll run them for warrants. But other than that, like, there's nothing I can do. And it, I remember being, like, it just twisted my mind. I was like, this system is fucking broken right now. And so when I have discussions with people, primarily on the left, that say, uh, you know, they have to go somewhere or everyone needs a helping hand or it's the cost of housing, <laughs> which I, it's like, if we're talking about the homeless problem and the first why thing- Why do they all come to California then if it's the cost yeah, of housing? <laughs> if, if the first thing, one of the first things you say is not drugs, then I don't want to hear what you have to say. You're not an honest person. You're not an honest broker information. Yeah. It's like, it's so clearly drugs and mental illness. Does that put you in a, in a uh, little bit of a pickle? The, the homeless situation? Because people can call- about homeless people parked on their street or homeless people are, you know, somehow causing a nuisance. And the answer you get from the dispatcher that you talk to is like, well, there's nothing we can really do in most situations. If they're causing a nuisance, like maybe, but um, I mean, it, it sounds like, I haven't heard you talk about this specifically, I don't think, but it sounds like um, you would agree that it's, it's, a, it's a problem and that, um, we as, as, you know, I'm not allowed to go out there and just kick the guy in the teeth and, you know, tell him to get lost. So I call the cops, cops can't do anything. I mean, does that, does that create some sort of like kind of conflict in your own, in your heart, like as to what you should or shouldn't be doing in that situation? Or am I missing something? No, I mean, we are tied, right? Like what we can and can't do because, um, the, the Supreme court said that, Basically, arresting these folks for living in their cars with no place to go is cruel and unusual punishment, mm -hmm. which is not my definition of cruel and unusual punishment. Mm -hmm. Because if if my family member is out on the my law-abiding citizen family member is camping in a place they're not supposed to be camping, right? They're going to get arrested, right? Like you exactly. If you wanted to go camping and you were doing it on some place that wasn't someone's property, but it was not legal to camp as a casual camper. Right. Yeah. What's the difference? That's a really good. I watch point. people in like Nevada, right? Do you around, around area 51 where it's like restricted zones. Well, it's, it might be a restricted area and they don't want people camping on it. But this guy's tired. I, I watched a video. He's super tired. So he parks on the side of the road and sleeps for the night. And, uh, ranger I, I don't know what they had out there comes over and gives them a citation for sleeping on the side of the road well that's totally different authority that i have even though it's under the state the same um supreme court ruling i think right, right? i think a lot of that legislation uh came it was idaho versus the ninth circuit so boise, Bo yeah, yeah boise versus uh yeah you know the one i'm talking about yeah. it's basically what what made it mm -hmm. delineated the 
what it meant to be camping in public. Yeah. Do you think it's the cops? I think they broke it down to uh, the First Amendment, like a free speech law, if I remember. No, correctly. they said it's cruel and unusual punishment. Is that what it was? Yeah. Okay. What is your philo- philosophical view of the situation of, well, maybe I'll tell you mine first, but the situation of somebody calling the cops to get rid of someone that's sleeping in their car on their street. My view is that it's it shouldn't be the cops' job to get rid of that person. It should be the people on the street to go like tell that person to get lost. And if maybe if violence breaks out or something, then the cops. I mean, I personally don't think that. I hate these conversations because I don't think the government <laughs> should exist in the first place. But while we have one, you know, do you feel the same way, or do you think that the cops should be the ones to deal with um, problems like homelessness, or maybe even? Well, I, I feel like the government's overstepped their bound on on what we're, we're supposed to do as a government, right? Because when I go out and contact a bunch of homeless people, does that happen? I don't think we're supposed to call them that anymore. But um, the unhoused, the unhoused, fucking no. Get... That that was like last summer. I think it's uh, oh really people experiencing homelessness. Oh, no, you're right. I'm the <laughs> bigot. Um, houselessness. So um, I talked to a lot of them. Where are you from? I'm from Portland. Oh, I'm from Idaho, Montana. Well, a lot of it stems from them getting a felony case in Idaho or Montana or Texas or Georgia or wherever, right? So they're on the lam. So that that state and that court that holds that case says that we don't want them back. So we're going to send out a warrant, and it's a non-extraditable warrant out of this state. Really? So they'll come to California, and we can't touch that warrant. That is interesting. I never thought of that angle. It's kind of smart because now you've just solved a problem by not allowing this person back to your state because they know they have a warrant. If they go back, they have to face those consequences. Well, I haven't noticed uh, the symptom of that. No, not at all. Going to San Francisco lately. They all seem so law-abiding and just kind of the cost of housing being what it is. They they shit in toilets. Down on their (laughs) luck. The whole nine yards. So the services must be just so vast here that they just enjoy coming. That's the one area. thing that well, uh, in our old neighborhood, when I dealt with law enforcement, <laughs> he came and, I, and he was a, he was an awesome guy. Damn. I wish I could remember his name, but I picked his brain. I was like, can I ask you? Cause I was really frustrated with the problem. What did he look like? Uh, it was a, it was a Hispanic name. Um, that's not helpful. <laughs> yes. But I asked him, I was like, can you mind if I pick your brain? He's like, I'll sit here and talk to you as long as you want. He was really cool. And uh, uh, you're paying my salary. So, you know, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm here all day. I'd love and, to get some overtime and, this uh, week. Uh, is that chicken I smell? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, want to play with my taser? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. There's an ATF agent. Yes. <laughs> and um, I asked him, like, so break me, like, how much of your job is this, dealing with this? He's like, quite a bit. I got to be honest with you. And I'm like, so you guys kind of have stand down orders. He goes, pretty much. Yeah. There's a, I'll run them for warrants, but unless they're doing something openly illegal and, you know, and I was like, so what's your, what's your, what's your process? Like, what do you do? Like, you're having a conversation with these people. It's like, well, first we tell them that we have, and this comes back to that case in Idaho. He's like, I have a bed, a bed available for you at a mission, you know, and he's like, 99% refuse. Like, nope, I interested. And then I asked where they're from. You know, he's like, 90% from out of the area. He's like, that's all I'm going to say. Yeah, I'm like, s- they're here for a reason. 
And so what came yeah. of that, right, is that if we want to take legal action against that person, they have to have a place to stay, mm-hmm. right? So that's why we've created all these these facilities for these folks because unless they have they unless there's no place to stay, we can't do anything about it. Yeah. Right. So if there's beds available and they refuse, then we can take action. Yeah. Right. Which causes a whole nother slew of issues. God. Just I'm just looking thinking in my mind of the homeless industrial complex people who are just like ching ching beds available that's, like six hundred thousand dollars per room ching ching. Like, that's not a thing. Yeah, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Oh, what the military industrial complex is the thing? Is that what you're going? Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> two next. For, yeah. Right. Are you comparing the two? Like, there's money to be made. I would never. Okay. I would never. Uh, speaking of homeless people, did you guys ever see? Uh, did you guys ever watch bum fights? Yes. There's this new page. It's called Bum Drones. Oh yeah. They just this dude with the drone goes up and follows him around. And they get all freaked out, and then they start throwing stuff at the drone. <laughs> it's, that sounds it's exploitative. Oh my god, we are yeah. the Romans. <laughs> Did you ever see when? Oh, sorry. Did you ever see when? Uh, oh, shut up. When uh, that guy went on Doctor Phil? Oh, the, the the Golden Voice bum. The bum fights. The guy that started bum fights. Oh no. So. This is really interesting to me because um, just to take a, a quick detour here, this guy uh, basically was exploiting homeless people, mm-hmm. right? It's it's pretty hard to argue that the homeless people weren't being taken advantage of mm-hmm. in that situation. I mean, if you take someone that's high on drugs, addicted to alcohol, and will do anything for a fix, and you offer them... 20 bucks to fight some other bum. I mean, is that really the society we want to live in where like, we're doing that for entertainment? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't think that this guy was, I don't think that was the issue. I think it was just because they couldn't afford housing. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's true. Cost I didn't have warm socks yeah. and yeah. climate change. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> Let's not forget Putin. Um, but to, you know, just to, to take advantage of those people, it's just like the, the ultimate degradation of our society. Even though I don't think that that guy was, you know, doing anything illegal, and um, he was within his rights to do what he was doing. But it's just a just a terrible look, mm-hmm. right? But then you compare that to what Doctor Phil was doing, <laughs> which is way different, and it was kind of the same. Right, I saw this. It was- <laughs> so, homeboy goes on Doctor Phil, dressed as Doctor Phil. Oh, that's. Right, so- Suffered. A service. To the this is the guy. People. I'm turning these people into something special. I'm motivating them, inspiring them. I believe inspiring our customers them. are infatuated with watching our videos because there's a lot of people that are addicted to violence. They want to see homeless people doing crazy things. It's something that this world needs. He's not wrong. Example, one guy, he was a crackhead and his teeth were bothering him. So we got him a pair of pliers and we ripped one of his teeth out. And he just wanted a bottle of JD. There are lines that I don't cross. I don't do hardcore porn and I don't deal with death footage. We don't just. This guy's not wrong in what he's saying, but it would be really hard to argue that 
it's for the better of society. I mean, in a, in a decent society, this wouldn't be a thing. People would say, in the 1950s, people would see, would hear about something like this. No one would watch it. It would just be like, I'm yeah. rejecting that because our society has not stooped to that terrible level, that Jerry Springer level. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the point that he's making about Dr. Phil here is pretty great. Look at his outfit. Stop the tape. Stop the tape. <laughs> I don't want to talk to you. He Why has not? that's despicable. He has shaved his head into the male pattern balding <laughs> <laughs> pattern to, and wearing the exact same gray suit that somehow he figured out Dr. Phil would be wearing that day. And he showed up on the show and Dr. Phil kicks him off the show. Tells him so he, he won't even let him talk. So <laughs> Yeah. It's pretty all time. Yeah, the irony that Dr. Phil is accusing him of taking advantage of mentally ill people, which is his entire business model, which has made him a billionaire. Exactly. What do you do? I used to try to help homeless people. Um, You know, my my instinct is to want to give the little bit of extra money or stuff that I have to people that are down on their luck to try to help them. Yeah, that's who I'll probably never be able to change that about myself, but I have stopped giving anything. I used to give socks to homeless people at stoplights because I thought, well, it's not money. They're not going to be able to um, go buy booze with socks. Right. And so I'm going to give socks to homeless people because that's, they really do like that. Um, And I, I changed my mind on that. I stopped doing that because of what you were saying about all of these homeless people. They're not from, Santa Rosa, right? Yeah. If you go down, you drive down Joe Road, I've said it a million times, you drive down the highway and you see all those encampments. There's so many friggin' homeless people. There's no way they're all from Santa Rosa. No. And turns out they're not, right? I mean, we know that now by just interviewing those people. And giving them socks is making their lives 1% easier, right? And all of this stuff that we do to make their lives easier is why they're in... Santa Rosa and they're not in another town. If you or make another something state. easier, you will get more of that thing. You're incentivizing them to be homeless. And so, and it's unfortunate because my instinct is to help those people, but I just, I can't do it anymore. And if we lived in a rational society where we gave those people's, those people an ultimatum, something like, look, you can't be homeless, but you can't stay here. No, it's it comes down to that law with the shelters and stuff saying, Hey, we have a we have a bed available for you. Exactly. I don't want to go. Okay, fair enough. You can't stay here though. Right. Exactly. Where am I supposed to go? Don't care. I don't go, care. You gotta go somewhere else. If we had a really hardcore law like that, it would reduce the number of people that were actually coming here because they wouldn't want to deal with that. Mm-hmm. And it would make it so that people like myself who want to help those people could donate socks to the shelter or something and feel like we were doing something good without actually incentivizing homelessness, right? It's a win, win, win. That's I had it. a funny situation. I was, I was leaving the gym, stopped to get gas, went out, I bought, went inside and bought something. I walked in my truck and there's a dude just hanging out by my truck. I'm like, oh, look, here we go. Really? I was like, hey man, you help me out with a little cash? I was like, uh, no one cares cash anymore. <laughs> and he goes, do you take credit cards? Because <laughs> <laughs> I do actually. And then he looks at my truck, he goes, um, must be nice because it was raining. No, he goes, mind if I crash in the back of your truck tonight? What? 
I said like, yeah, no problem. No, fuck, I got to work tomorrow, dude. <laughs> Seriously? It was the funniest thing. And my stepdaughter, 23, was in the truck. She's like, did I hear that right? Did you ask me to sleep in your truck? I'm like, yeah. Jesus Christ. Across the room, I saw you.